Hello, and welcome to the Jubilee Church Podcast. Jubilee Church exists to help all people know God, find family, discover purpose, and make a difference. If you would like to learn more or connect with us, please visit our website at jubileestl.org. Well, hey, everyone. It is so good to be with you uh, today. We are in a series called Travel Light, where we're dealing with things that are in our life and all around us that weigh us down. These are things that don't just uh, weigh us down and make our, our life harder, but they prevent us from enjoying something in God that he has made available to us. It prevents us from enjoying a freedom and a peace that God wants us uh, to have. So last Sunday, Brian spoke on the issue of greed and he talked about how greed is something the Bible warns us about because it can sneak up on us. It's something that we can be unaware of that is actually active in our life and in our heart. And, And the Bible says to watch out for greed. And today I'm gonna speak about something else that can sneak up on us. Something that is actually operating in the world all around us and perhaps even in us, and we can be completely unaware of that. I'm gonna be speaking today about the issue of bitterness. Now, bitterness is a word that we are familiar with. It's a word that we talk about, but it is a rare, it is rarely a word we use uh, to describe where we're at. So I've never had someone, when I've asked them how they're doing, they've come back to me and said, oh, I'm, doing, I'm doing okay, but I am, I'm actually really, really bitter. And I personally, I've never used the word bitterness when someone has asked me how I'm doing. I've never said to someone, I've never conveyed to someone, well, I, I'm struggling because I'm, I'm very bitter right now. It's not a word that, that we use a lot, but it is a word uh, that we are aware of. And, uh, and, it's, and it's all around us. It's all around us and, and we're not immune to it. We see rage and anger every day in our world. We, we live in a world of offended people, people offended by other people's politics, by other people's religions, by other people's uh, opinions and causes. Nuance and and lack of assumption is, is forgotten in our culture. From our morning commute to the evening news, people blowing each other up on Facebook. I mean, there's just, it's anger and rage and offense is just swirling all around us in our world. And it's draining It's exhausting. Even to have close proximity with all of this emotion can be exhausting in and of itself. And perhaps, and just perhaps on some level in us. In fact, as I read up on what some psychologists uh, said on the topic of bitterness, they, they often use words like repressed, subconscious, unknowing, These words were a common thread and this is something, so this is very much something that could be in our life that we don't see. And the apostle Paul in writing a letter to the church in Ephesus warns them about bitterness because he knows that if they're not careful, that if they're not on the lookout and if we aren't careful, if we are on the lookout, that we can subtly and almost unknowingly open a door and invite bitterness into our life. And so we're going to pick up uh, uh, we're going to pick up our text in Ephesians chapter four. I said Paul is writing this letter to the church in Ephesus, and in verse twenty five we're going to start, and he says this. He says, "Therefore, having put away falsehood, 
Let each one of you speak the truth with his neighbor, for we are members one of another. Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger and give no opportunity to the devil. Let the thief no longer steal, but rather let him labor doing honest work with his own hands so that he may have something to share with anyone in need. Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such as is good for building up as fits the occasion that it may give grace to those who hear. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Here's a key. Let all bitterness, let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you along with malice. Be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. So what's Paul saying throughout all of this text? What is he writing to the church? He's talking about them getting along. He's talking about them building one another up. He's talking to them, encouraging them to speak truth with one another. He wants them to do away with words that tear down, that that divide. He wants them to do away with with anger and bitterness that separates us, that creates distance and relationship between us. So what is bitterness? What is bitterness? Well, it's not anger. Bitterness is not anger. Because Paul says in verse 26, he says, what does he say? He says, be angry and do not sin. Be angry and do not sin. So Paul isn't advocating on any level that we are to be happy, clappy Christians that deny ourselves, that shove down our emotions, that are numb to any kind of negative emotion. He's not saying that. He says, be angry, but don't sin. No, his instruction is not to suppress it or to ignore it. It's to deal with it. It's to deal with it. So he says, don't let the sun go down on your anger. So what's bitterness? Bitterness is not dealing with our anger in a timely manner. I'll say it again. Bitterness is not dealing with our anger in a timely manner. Stephen Diamond is a forensic psychologist on anger, madness, and destructive behavior. I didn't know you could have such degrees, but this guy's got a PhD uh, in in, in studying uh, these, these behaviors and these attributes and the way they affect us. And this is what he wrote. He had this article published on psychology today. And uh, this is what he said about, about bitterness. He says, embitterment like resentment and hostility results from the long term mismanagement of annoyance irritation, frustration, anger, or rage. Do you hear that time caveat in there? It's not annoyance. It's not frustration. It's not anger. It's the long-term mismanagement of these things. And that's what Paul's saying. He's saying, be angry, don't sin. Don't let the sun go down on your anger. You're going to experience anger. You're gonna feel angry and you need to deal with that anger. Maybe you've never seen yourself as being a bitter person. But maybe you have a long-term mismanagement of annoyance with your spouse. Maybe you have a long-term mismanagement of irritation towards your sibling who disagrees with your worldview. 
Maybe you have a long-term mismanagement of frustration towards your coworker who always seems to be one step ahead of you, who things always seem to be going their way. Maybe you have a long-term mismanagement of anger towards your boss who's just always on your case. Maybe you have a long-term mismanagement of rage towards your dad who left you when you were a child or perhaps abused you when you were a child. Maybe there's frustration smoldering underneath the surface that you are repressing. You know, if COVID restrictions are ramping up uh, in the area where you live, maybe you see that as a blessing and not a curse because you have an excuse to not go see your sister. And you know, if you see her, you're gonna have to deal with that frustration that's been building underneath the surface with her. Perhaps you're relieved because you've been given excuse not to deal with certain emotions and with certain situations or circumstances that have happened in your life during this season. Maybe you feel like it's given you an easy way out to not deal with, but to avoid some of the pain and hurt that's happening in your heart. Paul says, don't let the anger go down. Don't let the sun go down on your anger. Lest that anger roll over into bitterness. You know why we don't describe ourselves as bitter? You know why we don't use that in our vocabulary regularly? It's because no one feels bitter. We don't, I don't, we don't feel bitter. What we feel is we feel justified. We feel we feel justified, we feel right in however it is that we're feeling. So you lied to me. My anger in response to being lied to is understandable. It's justifiable. It's how anyone in my situation would feel if they were me in my shoes. And that may be true, but where we slip up is when in feeling right about our anger, we hold on to our anger. It's wrong to take advantage of someone. It's wrong to lie to someone. It's wrong to abuse someone. It's wrong to reject someone or to treat someone as if they're less than you. It grieves the heart of God for us to treat each other in such ways. Paul was grieved to see the, the infighting that could happen and rise up amongst the church, which is so why so often he was appealing to it, to build one another up, to fight for one another, to speak truth to one another, to, to love one another. And what Paul wants us to know is that holding on to our anger and holding on to our offense and holding on to our frustration, it doesn't change the offender. It doesn't heal our pain. It enslaves us and gradually over time, it consumes us and eventually destroys us. Bitterness blinds us and robs us for being able to see the beauty and the goodness that God is doing in us and all around us. Bitterness weighs us down. It blinds us. It prevents us from seeing clearly. It causes us to forget and even rewrite history of how certain things have happened or how people have cared for us or walked with us or believed in us. It causes us to forget the goodness of God. It causes us to forget the love of God. It causes us to forget the, the good things that have happened in our life. It blinds us from the reality 
it also blinds us from the reality that we have all sinned and we have all fallen short and none of us, not one, deserves the forgiveness and grace of God. Is it possible that you are carrying bitterness? Are you at risk for becoming bitter? Are you mismanaging your frustrations? Are you avoiding them? Are you stuffing them down? Are you trying to suppress them and control them and just move past them without dealing with it? What's the opposite of bitterness? Well, Paul flips the script here and he shows us what a heart that's not bitter looks like. A heart that's not bitter, a person that's not bitter, is someone who is kind to others, who is tender-hearted toward others, which means they're open towards others, they're gentle with others. It's someone who's able to forgive others. Find the person that you struggle to be kind to. Find the person that you struggle to be gentle with, to open your heart to. Find the person that you have a hard time forgiving and there you can find the place where bitterness is waiting at the door. We need to let go of bitterness. We need to get it out of our life. We don't want the sun to go down on our anger. We wanna deal with it. So how do we let it go? How do we stop bitterness in its tracks when it starts to form? How do we prevent bitterness from entering into our life? Well, this is how we do it. When we have warning signs or when we realize that bitterness is at work in our life between one another, there's only one antidote. There's only one thing that we can do that can stop it in its tracks and set us free if it's already enslaved us. And this antidote is recognized by both Christian and non-Christian counselors when talking about the issue of bitterness, the secret to getting out of it is forgiveness. It's to forgive. Now, let me say this before moving deeper into this, this topic of forgiveness, because I, I understand that um, someone can hear this, hear this next section, and you might be living in a dangerous situation, in an abusive situation. Uh, and I wanna be very clear about something, that forgiveness does not require you to stand in the path of danger or an abuser or anything like that. In fact, forgiveness is something that we can, that we can do uh, totally separated from the person. And so if you're, and if you're in a dangerous situation, I would just encourage you to reach out uh, to someone to contact me or to contact one of the elders in the church because we don't wanna see uh, you living in those kinds of circumstances. We can remove ourselves from dangerous situations and still forgive. We can even forgive people who are no longer alive. Tim Keller, a pastor and author says, forgiveness is an act of our heart towards someone unattached to their desire to reconcile their remorse or their understanding of their wrongdoing. It's unattached to the offender. Forgiveness is something that we do who have been hurt towards someone else, regardless of their participation in our life or lack thereof, regardless if they're remorseful or lack thereof. And this is what Jesus says about forgiveness. Forgiveness is something that we do regardless of how we feel. 
In Luke chapter 17, verses three through six, in Matthew chapter 18, verses 21 through 35, Jesus lays out for his disciples what forgiveness and how forgiveness looks. Jesus commands his disciples to forgive and to forgive immediately. Paul says, don't let the sun go down on your anger. Jesus says, Jesus says you forgive immediately, right away. There's timestamps on this stuff. He doesn't ask his disciples. Jesus doesn't ask his disciples what the offense is. He doesn't ask how hurt they have been. He says, if someone repeatedly offends you and repeatedly asks for forgiveness, then you forgive them every single time. And he doesn't give any indication or verbiage or space that would cause his disciples or us who are reading this passage to understand forgiveness through the lens of an emotion. He doesn't say forgive when you feel ready. He says forgive right away. There is no reason that he gives to withhold forgiveness. Forgiveness is something that we choose to do. It is something that we choose to walk in. And when we don't do it, we're choosing to withhold it. And I am absolutely convicted and guilty of this reality because because I have withheld forgiveness. I have said that I am not ready to forgive yet. I need time to process this. I need time to get through this. And when I am ready, then I will forgive you. I am guilty of those words and those expressions coming out of my mouth. But that's not what Jesus says to do with forgiveness. He says, forgive immediately. To give, to forgive right away, to forgive every time. And Jesus doesn't give a different process of forgiveness depending on the offense. So if it's, you know, if it's this terrible, awful, atrocious sin against you, or it's this, this little lie over here, you know, against you, like whatever it is, like God says the same thing, no matter the offense, the process is the same and it's forgiveness. And he, and here's why forgiveness is not for the offender. It's for the offended It's not for the abuser. Forgiveness is for the victim. Now, God can absolutely use the power of forgiveness to transform an offender or an abuser, but he's not being cruel in his commandment because he understands that forgiveness is what will set the offended and the the victim free from the pain, from the damage, from uh, from the hurt that has been done to them. He knows that the resentment and the suppressed anger and the hurt will build a prison around the wounded person that will not just enslave them for a moment, but for a lifetime. And what we'll find as we choose to trust God and walk in forgiveness is that our emotions will come in line with where we are choosing to be and how we are choosing to act and who we are choosing to trust. For some who forgive, there is an instant and miraculous transformation and healing that happens all at once. For others, there's a walking out and a shedding of layers of bitterness and forgiveness is is something that we choose today and we're gonna choose it tomorrow as we choose to trust God. Now I say all that knowing that forgiveness is simple, but it is not easy. We know the answer, but we struggle with walking in forgiveness because we are afraid that no one will be held accountable for the damage that's been done to us. 
We're afraid that people will get away with what they have done. We're afraid that justice won't be served. And we're not okay with living in the reality that we have been treated, misused, and harmed intentionally or unintentionally, and where no one is held accountable. That doesn't sit right with us. And we withhold forgiveness when there's a debt to pay and when we insist on the person who has acted in an evil way to pay that debt. We want people to get what we believe they deserve when we are living under bitterness. But consider this. If you are in the family of God, you have entered into a reality where all kinds of people are not getting treated the way they deserve. Isn't that what being a Christian is? It's someone who, who once rejected God, but in God's grace, he brought us into his family. He removed our sin as far as the East is from the West. He doesn't treat us as we deserve out of his kindness, not because we deserve it, but out of his mercy and out of his love and out of his grace towards us. I mean, thank God we are not living in a reality where we are all getting what we deserve. Now, you may forgive someone and they might be held accountable for what they've, what they've done in this lifetime. They might be. You may forgive someone and they might not end up being held accountable for what they've done in this lifetime. All will stand before God. All will give an account, but you don't have to wait for that day to start living in freedom from bitterness today. Here's how you can start taking steps in this today. And the first one is to recognize how you have been wronged. Don't let the sun go down on your anger. Don't let the enemy have a foothold. Don't invite him in. Don't let your anger turn into bitterness. How? By going and dealing with the frustration and the anger and the resentment that's building up underneath the surface. The quicker, the better. The, 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 longer we, we, the longer we take to deal with this, the more painful and the more devastating these conversations end up being. We wanna do this quickly. Recognize how you've been wrong. Go to the person that you've been avoiding and not in a rage of an emotion, not using words like always and never, not seeking to put them down or to make them feel worse, but tell them clearly why your heart is hurting. Tell them why you are offended. Use clear language and state how and recognize how you have been wronged. Secondly, remember what God has done for you. Not as a victim of an offense, but as a perpetrator of an offense toward a righteous and holy God that was much, much, much bigger. We need to seek our own hearts to see if there's any pride in us, if there's any desire to expose that person. We need to, we need to check our hearts. We need to remember what God has done for us because we go and we have these conversations and we deal with this and we fight for community because we want to honor God and we do it not not in our strength, but by the grace of God, because we have been people who have received from God. We're not giving something away that we haven't received. We're giving something away that we have received. And we remember what God has done for us. Third, we release them. We release them from owing us. We release them from, uh, not, by, not by our own willpower, but by the, 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 the ocean of mercy that God has extended to us. We release them from paying that emotional debt or whatever it is that we feel like they owe us to make. We release them 
That's what forgiveness looks like. God, when God forgave us, he released us from having to pay the debt of sin that we have accrued. And lastly, we resolve to maintain this position. And this is, this is where we choose it today and we choose it tomorrow. We resolve to maintain this position. We don't let, we don't open a door to let the enemy come in and start to whisper in our ear and start to remind us of how this person has offended us, hurt us, how remember when, remember when they did this, remember when they said this, we close that door, we choose and we resolve to maintain this position of forgiveness because love keeps no record of wrongdoing. That's what the Bible says. That's what God says about us. He keeps no record of wrongdoing. He hasn't forgotten. He hasn't, he hasn't wiped. He isn't, he, 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 it's not that he can't remember what happened last year, but what is he doing? He is resolving to maintain a position of love, mercy, and grace towards us, to those who know him and walk with him. Jesus doesn't hold our past sins over our head. No, he, he has maintained, he has resolved to maintain a, a position of forgiveness towards us. If you've been born into God's family, then you have been born into a family of forgiveness. He chose to be kind and tenderhearted and forgiving towards us. And that's the language that Paul, and that's, the, that's what this text is rooted in. The last words that Paul says in this text, it's, it's, it's to forgive because we remember that we have been forgiven. When we get a hold of this, when we choose to live like this, it changes us from the inside out. When we're no longer burdened by the weight of bitterness, nothing changes, but everything changes. In the midst of suffering, you'll be able to find hope. In the midst of darkness, you will find light. In the midst of a world clouded in negativity and division, you'll see God's kingdom at work in our lives and in the lives of those around us. Let us not go back to being enslaved by that which does not satisfy. Let us not go back to being enslaved by that which is a work of the enemy, but let's live in the goodness and the abundance and the, the forgiveness that God has extended to us and so that we can extend it to others. Let's turn away from the pain that has consumed us and turn towards God's loving kindness so that we can see others who are bound up in sin and hurt set free. And that is the heartbeat of the church, isn't it? It was the heartbeat of God to see those who were far off, who were enslaved and heavy laden and burdened with sin set free and walk into the freedom of God, walk into the goodness and the peace that he had made available to them. We wanna see that happen, church, don't we? We wanna see this ripple out. We don't wanna be just receive it and hold on to it. We wanna receive it and we wanna extend it out lavishly and graciously and abundantly so that others might receive it, so that others might be transformed, so that others might hear the good news and the forgiveness of God that has been extended to them for their sins yesterday, today, and tomorrow, forever removed and forever loved by their creator. Let's stand in this tr truth. Let's choose forgiveness. Let's choose today. Let's choose it tomorrow. Let's be on the lookout of bitterness in our life. Let's guard against it, church. And perhaps we will see more and more and more people coming into the family of God as we choose this.